silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law of the prophets. This is the word of the Lord. If I ask you what is the greatest commandment, then perhaps on a Sunday like today when we've heard it sung and heard it read, then you would flip through the pages of your Bible until you get to the 22nd chapter of Matthew, where Jesus gives the great commandment, and you would answer the question that I've asked you this morning. The greatest commandment is that we are to love God with everything that we are, and that we are loved to love our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus says it this way, that all of the law and all of the prophets, which is another way of saying the entire scripture, all of this hangs on these two, the love of God, the love of neighbor. So if you don't understand love, if you don't understand love, then how can you understand Scripture. One way to think about it this morning is to imagine in your mind that you have a door. And this door has two hinges. The door is everything, but the door only works if you have hinges on it to make it go open and close. On the top hinge would be love of God, and on the bottom hinge would be love of neighbor. Love of God, love of neighbor, the door opens and closes, greatest commandment, end the story, let's go home. But what if I changed the question and asked you this morning, not what is the greatest commandment, but what is your greatest commandment? Would you come up with the same answer? You see, there's a difference between what I like to call the Sunday school answer and the answer that we actually live out with the way that we live our lives. We all do it, even companies and corporations and governments list core values, but then when we watch and see how we act, there are values, there are core values, there are golden rules that actually talk about what we do in reality. We all do it. We all have golden rules that we say that we believe, but then there are the rules that are implicit in the way that we live our lives. So, I'll invite you to join me on a journey, and I will list my great commandments. And in doing so, I hope that you will think about your own 
and maybe do some homework around this. What are my great commandments? What's driving me? What are my motivations? So my stated purpose in life, especially as an ordained Christian minister, is to love God and to love neighbor. But I am right with you when we do the prayer of confession that I have not always loved God with all that I am. And I haven't always loved my neighbor as myself. I'm generally going to put myself first. But all that means is that I'm human. And part of what it means to be human is to fall short. So instead of what I do, I have other rules that I follow, other commandments, other core values that drive me and motivate me. And I'll list you some of mine. It is good and virtuous to be on time. It is bad to be late. It is good and virtuous to be a hard worker. It is bad and sinful to be lazy. It is good and virtuous to save money. It is bad and sinful to spend money. It is good and virtuous to save things, whatever, because it is so bad and sinful to throw anything away. It is good and virtuous to be self-sufficient. It is bad and sinful to rely on others. Especially as me as a pastor, it is good and virtuous to be available 24-7. It is bad to not be around when someone needs me. And the corollary with that is the, the commandment, it is good to anticipate the needs of others. And it is bad when others have to ask for help. I should know. So do some of these ring true for you? What other rules would you add to your list? And I do take seriously the homework assignment to, over the next couple of weeks, make a list at your own time. What is driving me? And in particular, it, when you find yourself angry, then you can stop and say, what commandment is being broken? And then you identify what that rule that you grew up with, what that commandment is. If we are honest with ourselves, and we would realize that we all operate with some expectations or rules or values. They drive us, they motivate us. When we live into those rules, we feel good. When we violate them or when someone that we know violates our rules, then we get angry at them or we feel guilty. And here's the clincher. We shame ourselves because we didn't live up to our own expectations of what our golden rules, our great commandments And here is the clincher. Jesus never said anything about being on time. Jesus never said anything about saving money. What he did say is to store up treasures for yourself in heaven, not on earth. And so these great commandments are very, very important in our lives because they sound like the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the gospel says to love God and to love neighbor. Those are the two hinges. 
So now that we're all feeling pretty bad about ourselves, I think we can identify with the question that the Pharisees are asking. They wanted a solution. They needed some help. And here's what they came to Jesus that day and asks. Dear Jesus, we have all of these rules and expectations. In fact, someone has said there are over 600 rules in the Jewish law. There are so many rules and expectations that we live each and every day. We do them so that we can be good, and we know that we are good, and we want to be good because we know that when we are good, we are being holy and righteous and good believers. But Jesus, there are so many rules, and the rules over time make us tired. And even though we come to worship, and as often as we say the prayer of confession, we still end up messing up each and every week, even before we get out the door on the way home to get dinner out of the stove, we have violated some of our own rules. So please, Jesus, tell us what to do. Give us just one commandment so that we will be sure to live by that one commandment and we will listen to what you say, dear Jesus, and we'll take it under counsel and we'll consider it. And if it makes sense, and if this one commandment that you give us doesn't violate any of the other commandments that we already live by, and furthermore, if your one commandment, your answer that you give us this day, if it satisfies our need to feel good so that we are not shamed, then we'll trust you and we'll follow you. So please, Jesus, just tell us what to do. We're kind of stuck with all this jumbled morass of rules that we've lived by so long. We need a way out. Like, like us, the people in the Bible just wanted answers. They found themselves confused. They found themselves doubting themselves. They didn't know how to move forward because when you live by rules, then you think that it is the rule that saves you. Yeah. So if we just had one more rule to replace the ones that we're tired of, how's that working for you in your life? So Jesus answers the question. But in typical Jesus fashion, he doesn't answer it the way that we expect. And Jesus will answer your need this morning, but probably not in the way that you expect at first. Love. Love. That's your answer. That's your way out. That's your way forward. That's how the door opens and closes, only when it is placed on two hinges, the hinges of love. Love for God. Love for neighbor. Is your door open? Is it stuck open? Is it closed? Is it stuck closed? So many people in our society, I think nowadays and forever probably, just think that religion is a door with lots of rules. So when you give people the chance to, hey, come to church, and all they're thinking in their mind is that church is a door with a bunch of rules on it, 
given the choice, they're going to stay away. Think about someone who was not in church this morning, and it's likely that that person just thinks that God is a drill sergeant and has not lived up to their expectations, their rules that they have imposed upon God. Either that, or let me suggest to you something very important for us in our church, in all churches, in Christianity in general, that there are people in our society, some are in church, some are not, there are some who have heard about the two hinges, the hinge of love of God and the hinge of love of neighbor. And those people are expecting Christianity to live up to that standard. And so we, as a people of faith, have a responsibility to live out the gospel in that way. And then when people see the quality of living that we exhibit in our day-to-day -day lives, then perhaps they will respond and say, you know, there is something to that. I want to be part of that. You see, God isn't asking us to do more. God is simply asking us to do things differently. So Jesus pulls us out of an obsession with being good and gives us an invitation to being to give up that game altogether because we never win the game of worthiness. Don't worry about being good, Jesus tells the Pharisees and us today. Don't worry about just being good, just love. Love your God and love neighbor. And what Jesus did for them back then is the same thing that Jesus invites for us this morning today. Jesus looks at my list and says, David, that's a fine list. There's nothing wrong with being on time. There's nothing wrong with hard work. There's nothing wrong with being self-sufficient or caring for others or letting others know that you are there for them. All those things are fine and good, David. Rules are important. They serve a purpose. But the reason that you exist is to love. So love me fully, God says, and love others too. Because it's not about being good. Anyone can be good any day of the week. What God has called us to be is to be people who love. And so when we love, when we love, that's when miracles start to happen. And you know what a miracle is, don't you? It's when the unexpected is allowed to enter into the realm of the expected. Miracles happen when rules are replaced by grace. The miracle happens when you can let go of your rule-based living and move inch by inch, step by step, into grace-based living. So let me share a story of a woman who took her aging mother into her home. The mother had had a stroke and needed some time to recover. So the daughter was very solicitous and painstakingly attentive to her mother's every need. Nevertheless, a terrible fight broke out between the mother and the daughter over 
a hard-boiled egg. In the middle of the war of words, the mother stopped short and asked, Why are you doing all of this for me anyway? And so the daughter began to give her list, her great commandments of why she was doing what she did. The daughter said, I was afraid for her. I wanted her to get well. I felt maybe if I ignored her when I was younger, I needed to show her that I was strong. I needed to get her ready for going home alone. There was old age and on and on, and I was amazed at myself, the daughter said. I could have gone on giving reasons all night long. Even my mother was impressed. Junk, the mother said in response. Junk, I yelled. Like, boy, she'd made a real mistake with that remark. I could really get her now. Yes, junk, the mother said. You don't have to have all those reasons. We love each other, and that's enough. I felt like a child again, the daughter said. Having your parents show you something that's true, but you don't feel put down, you actually feel better because it is true and you know it. Even though you are a child, I said, you're right. You're really right. I am sorry, the daughter said. I'm sorry. Mother said, don't be sorry. Junk is fine. It's just the stuff that you don't need anymore. I love you. That's what Jesus' answer means. Your junk is fine. But what is needed is love. So I invite us to stand together and affirm